Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Helium 10 Weekly Buzz. My name is Shivali Patel, and this is the show where we get you familiar with the latest news in the Amazon and e-commerce space. We interview people in the industry that we think you need to hear from and provide a training tip of the week for any level of sellers in the Amazon, Walmart, and e-commerce world. Let's see what's buzzing this week. Today, we'll talk about Amazon opening its first brick-and-mortar clothing store talk about a fee adjustment for remote fulfillment with FBA, and preview Kian's latest straight from the source May episode. So what does that mean? Stick around to find out. Let's get started. Up first, with Memorial Day just past us, I wanted to begin by honoring a veteran. Amazon recently recognized Clint Carroll, who is a Navy veteran and Amazon leader who was once chief of staff for the East Coast ships in the U.S. Navy. At the time, he supported over 55,000 people and 77 ships, even being a captain of a ship that circumnavigated Africa. In 2019, he made a transition to a role at Amazon after a 30-year career in the Navy. What started in the Navy kind of transitioned all the way through into Amazon, and that is his leadership and his ability to support people. What drew him to Amazon was that exact culture that he came from and the culture that Amazon represents. Today, he is a senior uh, operations manager for change at a fulfillment center in Florence, New Jersey, and is an active member of Amazon's Warriors Affinity Group, which is an employee group for current and former active military personnel. On behalf of Helium 10, we salute and thank those of you who have served or are currently serving. Thank you so much. Next, we have Amazon.com opened its first physical clothing store last Wednesday, and it's called Amazon Style. The shop is based in Glendale, California, near Los Angeles, and perhaps if you live near that location, maybe it's something that you should swing by and check out. What makes the store so unique is that the store is paired with an app, and this lets shoppers actually scan codes on the displayed items, and then employees can fetch it in the right size or color, and send it either directly to a fitting room or to a checkout counter. Now, many of you may be familiar with Amazon Basics. Amazon has built a substantial Amazon business uh, selling fundamental pieces such as t-shirts and packs. Well, now this new initiative of a style store will sell brands like Lacoste, uh, Levi's, and Steve Madden. So how cool is that? To me, I'm excited to see you know, where this initiative goes as well as what opportunities really open up to us as sellers. Speaking of opportunity, let's talk about our third breaking news piece, which centralizes around Amazon Prime Day. Prime Day has signified a peak period for us, and to ensure that you're reaching shoppers, increasing sales, and growing your own and Amazon's business, Amazon has introduced a Amazon Ads Prime Day Summit. It will take place on June 7th and 8th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific time. Again, that's 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific time on both days. So be sure to head over to your Seller Central dashboard to get registered, as well as just take advantage of these sessions because they're really help to make to help you, right, establish a solid foundation for your advertising with strong product detail pages and figure out how to either set up a peak advertising campaign or to optimize one that you already have as well as just dive into different reports and get a better understanding of how to use those specific learnings to your success. So amongst all of that, they will also be doing live Q&As. So again, in your Seller Central dashboard, make sure that you get registered. Now, lastly, since 2018, businesses that participate in the 
FBA in the U.S. have been able to use remote fulfillment with FBA to make their U.S. inventory available for sale in Canada and Mexico. And that program has offered customers increased selection and the opportunity to sell easily outside of the United States. Now, remote fulfillment with FBA leverages both U.S. and international markets, of course. And over the course of the pandemic, there have been significant investments that Amazon has made so that they can better serve us as sellers. And having nearly doubled fulfillment centers, that capability of it, and added over 750,000 full-time and part-time roles, and that all comes with a climbing hourly wage. So that's from $15 to $18. This has allowed for so much growth for us as sellers, right? But to reflect those changing costs of fulfillment, transportation, storage, customer service, et cetera, uh, Amazon will now also be adjusting the remote fulfillment with FBA fulfillment fees starting June 30th. Okay. So again, that's starting June 30th. And these increases are said to be in line or below industry averages. Uh, average increases for fulfillment services. So they will also include a dimensional weight adjustment in their rate calculation to better align with the standard FBA rate structure. So be sure to go to the 2022 remote fulfillment with FBA fee changes to read up a bit on how this might impact your business. All right, that's all the breaking news that we have for you today. Let's move on to the next segment. Now, normally we have a guest come on or we have a tip of the week, right? And that's typically our weekly buzz structure. But today we're going to change it up a bit and bring back another preview from straight from the source from our local yet not so local shipping expert, which is Kian Golzari. Kion interviews three of his favorite suppliers and asks them key questions that all of us have been waiting to have answered, such as why are product costs so high and what are suppliers really doing about it? What can we do to uh, reduce costs or how do we develop a good product in 2022, right? So please bear in mind that English is a second language for some of these suppliers, but here is a clip from that episode. I would love to get your opinions and your thoughts. Like, what is your current analysis and current feeling about what's happening in the manufacturing industry in China right now? You know, there's a lot of challenges to do with uh, labor costs, raw material costs, shortages, lockdowns, and things like that. But just as like a broad picture, like, what what are you seeing happening right now, and what is your overall feeling about the situation right now? It's a bit complicated to say that the, the last whole two years, including this year, it's an unusual year. Uh, everything is unstable, we would have said that. Um, compared to the normal years before the COVID, uh, which is everything is easier to be estimate, uh, you know, the delivery time, production time, uh, salary level, uh, transportation, but out of the COVID, everything is changing. And uh, so the situation is unstable and can quickly change from one side to the other side. It was very, very hard because all the customers realized that the price must go up. This is a general problem. But they did not know, they did not you know, know how much they will accept. And they didn't know if market can accept or not. So last autumn and last winter, and even worse is they cannot come to China, they cannot travel, we cannot come to them, they cannot come to us. So they, 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 some of the customers understand, some of oh, the customers don't understand. So it has been a very uh, tough time. We had to have a meetings, like a team meeting every week to talk to the customer, how to find a way. You know, it's interesting. I, I think the customers which have been to China have a better understanding of the difficulties that you're facing, right? 
But a customer who has never been to China before just thinks, okay, I want to order a backpack. Oh, why is it late? Like they don't understand that the zips come from YKK and, and the zipper factory is closed. They don't understand that the raw material factory is in a different province that has to travel here. And, you know, in, in the last couple of years, you know, with rising costs uh, and challenges in China, I think a lot of people maybe haven't paid enough attention on their supply chain, but now they have to really focus on supply chain to be like, right, where can I make some improvements here? Where can I save costs? You know, maybe use a smaller packaging. Maybe I need to calculate how to load the cartons in a container a little bit better maybe i need to maximize the space when i store the goods on the pallet anywhere where i can save you know one or two percent is valuable so that's what like the the customers have been doing i'm curious to know from your perspective as a manufacturer as an exporter of goods it's also been challenging for you because maybe the customer orders would become less during this period because the costs are rising. But what what have you done as a manufacturer to be like, right, here's where I can get smarter. Here's where I can improve my supply chain. Here's where I can improve my systems. Um, anything you can do about, you know, um, reducing the product development time or using recycled materials or changing the packaging or simplifying products. Have you done anything in your supply chain to be like, right, here's now where we can improve to save a bit of cost and pass that on to the customer? Like this, what I want to say is uh, the most important thing is to find a right supplier. This is uh, the first thing to do and the most right thing to do is find a uh, right supplier. This is uh, the one. And uh, the second for the saving, uh, if we talk about saving now, you know, like the sea cost, uh, the sea flight is a very high cost, but you also can find some time you can, uh, together with uh, some others, uh, together, you, you do not need a full container, you just uh, can be a SEL like this kind to save your shipping costs. Also, if uh, like to USA, you have fast one and you have normal one, maybe you can get a normal one. Uh, recently, like Shanghai, it is broken down. So most is go to like uh, in Ningbo, in, uh, right? So the Ningbo's price is very high. So do you have any idea if you can make this a little bit later to ship out? That will be fine because uh, as we know that Shanghai will be uh, okay in just uh, like uh, one or two weeks later, that will be fine. The retail price is tough because uh, the food price in Europe is going up, the gas, the oil is going up. So the customer, the consumers don't have too much money to buy it. So they cannot afford to have a quickly uh, big change on retail price. So all we are doing with customers is trying to, trying to minimize the increase in power. And at the same time, if we cannot do that, we have to do some changes to lower down cost, you know, that if you keep this product same as before, of course, you need to have a 15% raise up price. Customer cannot accept because they have to add a surcharge on the shipping cost, which is uh, five to 10 times more than before. So all we do is we try to cut, take off something from the back to make it more simple. And then we keep the same price, something like that. So it's a kind of, you know, they have to add some value, like uh, recycle materials, uh, recycle uh, hand tape, poly bag. But on one, the other, they have to take out something, you know, in order to keep 
They, they have to add something, take or something, but they will try to control the price and the cost in an acceptable way. Mm. Make the products commercial, that when they arrive in the market, in the shop, they can be sold in a good price, in an okay price. Interesting. So the, the, to, to summarize, that was kind of like reduce the product development time, maybe just change some colors rather than making all these different features yeah. and changes to the product, uh, utilizing recycled materials and recycled hang tags to give it like an extra feature uh, to the product and then also simplifying the products as well. So that even though the costs have gone up, the, pro- the cost of the product won't go up because you remove certain features. So at least you can keep it uh, at the same retail price in the sort of production of the goods, like maybe the materials, like, you know, if you're using cotton, do you maybe switch a little bit more to polyester or maybe use a different type of packaging? Like maybe have your customers requested any changes to the product to reduce the cost or are your customers still happy to order the exact same product? Uh, for the material, yes. You can change it to, from cotton to microfiber that will be uh, have a, a lot save. But uh, uh, what I find is uh, customs are more interested in new technologies like uh, recycle things, like mm. how to provide the the the, uh, the good thing to the earth, like this kind of things that is a little more hot than saving costs from packaging or like this, uh, so the more creative is is a bigger than safe, I think. And yeah. do you see much of a cost difference between the two materials, like uh, recycled material and normal material? Is do you normally be like twenty percent to fifty percent? It will be like this in raw material, but uh, when you use to whole one, uh, because the, the raw material is just a part of the products. Uh, you have uh, you have work to do. And you have packages, you have shipping, these all these costs. Mm-hmm. Even your advertising for the final sales, right? Yeah. So yeah. this part is just a small part for the materials. Maybe uh, uh, like uh, you use uh, one cent on the materials and you can raise the final price in one dollar. But mm. normally uh, it will be like 10% or 20% over the products. Interesting. And th- th- that's a very good point as well, that in terms of the material cost of the product, it's maybe not the biggest cost of the product. In actual fact, it could be the labor cost uh, yeah. because yeah. The, the labor cost is actually increasing. Mm-hmm. And from my understanding, it's actually getting harder and harder to find factory workers because the market is changing in China. You have a growing yeah. middle yeah. class. You also have a lot of requirements for delivery drivers and maybe p- people feel more comfortable as a job delivering food rather than working in a factory. So you have to pay the factory workers more to attract them to come to work. So what, what, what do you see in terms of labor costs like from now and like two years ago, like how much has the labor cost gone up? How challenging is it to find workers? Yeah, uh, like this question, you know, when I just work in 20, 20, uh, 2009, that time I works the uh, average payment is about 100 US dollar per month. But now it is about 1000 US dollar per month. And wow. even you 1000 US dollar per month, uh, that is uh, uh, when the, the, the worker come, they are all over 40 years old. No young men. 
Mm. You know, like a uh, uh, so service, like uh, if you are delivery, you are a deliverer or you are a driver. So the the so the uh, so, uh, so salary will be about also one thousand to two thousand US dollar per month. Like if you work hard, it can be two two thousand. But if you work uh, lazy, it will be like uh, one thousand, like that 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 average. So, mm-hmm. young man, don't don't think that uh, uh, the factory is uh, you know is fr- uh, uh, a place with freedom. They think uh, the factory is always. Uh, some black black place, you know, <laughs> the dark place, you know. Yeah, but <laughs> so. you know, it's really interesting because obviously you want workers to be paid an amount that they're comfortable with, but at the same time, the the customers which are manuf- are ordering from manufacturers also don't want their product price to be high, and they're always negotiating the price. We want the price down. We want the price down. But then, if you want that price so low, then you need the lower cost labor in order to get that low cost price. So it's mm-hmm. it's a very very challenging situation as the sort of labor cost increases. Well, so will your product cost, and then your sales will be less. So it's, it's it's a very very difficult thing to navigate, and I, and I think that to your point as well that there's no longer the younger generations coming in and working the factories. Like when I was in China for the first time in 2010, there was a lot of young people, young energy in the factory. But now, to your point, because China has grown so much and developed a much more of a middle class, there's a lot more jobs available. Whether it be in a bar, nightclub, coffee shop, you know, delivery driver, like these jobs are available now, which weren't so much available, you know, 12. Years ago, so now you have to pay more and more and more. And factories are also moving more inland in China into more rural areas. Factories used to be in the cities, very close to the ports, but now they keep moving more and more inland because the bigger jobs go to the cities, and then the factories kind of go inland as well. So it's quite challenging. And、um, Canton Fair is something that I love so much in China. That's where we first, we met for the first time, and we、uh, have seen each other over twenty times over the last ten years at these different Canton fairs. Do, do you miss it? Has that affected your business? Because you've not been able to attend the last four Canton fairs either, and that's where we would go and and develop new products. And how has that impacted your business? Because We have the virtual Canton Fair, which is it's just not the same. You know, it's helpful, but it's not the same.、Um, but are you seeing now less new customers come in, or are your existing customers still placing business? Like, what what was the impact of the the Canton Fair not being on?、Uh, How has that affected your business? Yeah, the real Canton Fair is do can help me to know the new client, also、mm. meet with the old friend as you.、Mm. But the online business,、um, you know, is quite simple. Customer just、uh, see the pictures, they find you. They even do not know who you are. So the question they ask is quite simple: price MOQ. So really, the order deal is not、um, easy. But、uh, mm. Canton, they can see your products. They can see your factory. They can see you some license. Face to face talk makes things easier and the order happen faster. Yeah. Where do you see like customers best communicating with with manufacturers? Is it emails? Alibaba? Is it Zoom? Is it WeChat? Is it all of the above?、Uh, what I think is the way is not、uh, most important. You know, now you can buy email. You have you can buy QQ. You can buy 
WeChat, WhatsApp, uh, FaceTime, all these things. Uh, just uh, one thing is that uh, I think face-to-face -face is most important, uh, that you can look his eyes to tell you if he is true or not. Yeah. That is most important. So some with some of my most important customers, I always have a video video uh, conversation with them together. Sometimes we have a meeting. Uh, we will book a time to have a meeting like us, uh, what we do right now to show. And, uh, you know, like Zoom now is very easy to use. You can share your, your screen to him together to, to, to find something together and to create something together design or find some planes, schedules, all is easy. So what I think, think is uh, uh, at least to talk, not only by email. Email is too slow. Now, uh, what we, we are going is more convenience, like WeChat. Uh, if you are, uh, are not a very big customer and are not always playing orders and uh, we are familiar with that 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 way it's, it's uh, okay you just uh, play order and we will do everything but if you are a guy just uh, doing uh, just a cooperation with a new supplier and you need to frequently to contact him and to to talk to him to find if he's uh, serious I love it. So it's not exactly where you communicate, it's how you communicate and face-to-face and yeah. -face, uh, it being the most important. And I 100% agree as well. Spending a bit of time in the in the United States during COVID, I saw that like, you know, if you go to hotels, they maybe have like half the number of employees. If you go to a restaurant, the service levels are poor because the restaurant is still open, but they've reduced the number of employees. So their costs are lower, they're employing fewer people. But you know that's one way of improving their margins. But from the from the production side, um, and labor is such an important part of the product, especially what you guys do in backpacks, because it's very much cut and sew, quality control. You can't just remove half the labor uh, and expect the same results. So, like, have you noticed? Have there been any technological improvements in production, like in materials, in machinery, in molds, where? factory bosses have got together and said like look we need to figure this out we need to get lower costs like anything yes. on the production side yes in a lot of changes in the last few years if you came back to china again come back to china again you will see this point every factory is trying to reduce the part of labor cost they try to use this in this maize power um you know we talk about something big like fushikong uh, which is the biggest, uh, you know, manufacturing for iPhone, iPads. They use robots instead of hire more workers. They, you know, because robots can work day and night, no problem. It, it is a big, big investment, but it can use it for a longer time. So it's more economic to use robots. And coming to our big uh, factories, of course, we cannot use robots, but we try to save the labor cost, for example, from the gold. You know, when you open the paper carton, we used to use, you know, hand drawing, and now it's all computerized, even print out. And all the cutting used to be a hand cut. Now it's everything molding. We have to have many molding machines. You know, every part, because molding, you know, first it's very accurate. The second is, you don't make mistakes. And you have you use less people. And from the, the, the sewing part, manufacturers using bigger area of computerized uh, sewing machines. So all the square, all the big uh, stitchings, we use computer uh, machine to sew in. 
China have invested a lot, not only in like manufacturing capabilities, but in terms of like um, AI capabilities and and knowledge and really understanding um, where the market is going and what are the requirements. And you know, with this rising labor cost, rising material costs, they've had to get more sophisticated in terms of their product development. But I, wherever you see cheaper products, it's always where you have a cheaper workforce. And to your point, when 10 years ago, it used to be a factory worker was $100 a month, and now it's $1,000 a month. Well, in 10 years, if the labor cost is, is increased by 10 times, well, so will the cost of your products as well. Um, the other thing is that uh, the robot will be used in China a lot. So, so, robot. so there's a robot, automatic machine to mm. use to get less lower cost. Because the cost mm. is high, yeah, mm. and uh, like uh, uh, this kind of AI to use to these machines, that will be a good thing. I think in five mm. years, ten years, that will be, uh, you know, in our life. I think it's interesting because even being in China a couple of years ago and going to factories, I could see already that like you know robots and machinery and AI were being implemented in like the sample process. So if we have an idea for like a backpack, for example. We do the paper, uh, and then you, by robot, the the robot sketches, uh, writes all the dimensions of the paper pattern. Then they cut that paper pattern, and then they put the fabric on top, and then they cut the fabric, and then you use that fabric to make the backpack. So I have a video of that somewhere. But I was always like, even two or three years ago, I saw that, and that really, really impressed me in terms of, well, hey, the robot can actually make the pattern of the backpack. But now I think it'll be even much more sophisticated. Well, you know, I I think in the last decade or so, we've seen so many technological advancements, right? And I'm very, very, very excited and intrigued to see where that's going to go in the supply chain industry. I always learn so much from Kian, and I hope you did too. Now, again, that was just a preview. I really encourage you to watch the full episode. Uh, Kian asks Andrew, Jim, and Eddie a, a lot more questions. And all of them have so much valuable insight inside of them. For example, what is the first step in uh, transferring to sustainable materials, whether certification is important, and just what are suppliers' insights in sourcing from outside of China? So be sure to check out the full episode on our Helium 10 YouTube channel, as well as Kian's channel, Sourcing with Kian, to watch the full episode. Now, we're about to wrap up here, but before I do, I just want to mention that much like our YouTube channel, which we're constantly updating to make sure that it's up to date with relevant, necessary information we think you need to know, our blog is pretty much the same exact idea. So if you are somebody who is more of a visual learner as opposed to auditory, then you'll always have the ability to go to our Helium 10 blog, helium10.com slash blog, to read up more about the Amazon, Walmart, and e-commerce space and how they are changing. So with that, that is it for today's episode. We'll catch you next time on the Weekly Buzz.